Evolutionary.org 533 episode. Steven the Mobster, we're doing today part three of our popular bro science steroid myths. So I know you guys really enjoy this, you guys and gals out there. So we're going to hit five more topics on this one. These are always fun. So the first one we're going to get into, Mobster, you need two to one ratio of certain steroids. So this one, um, we've heard this one over the years. And really, there's really zero science behind this it really doesn't make any sense um so usually it's going to be you need two times the amount of testosterone in your cycle as deca or two times the amount of trend or two times the amount of masteron or something like that and i've always found this one to, to be you know a classic bro science thing because what happens i this why this is where i think it's derived from mobster maybe you can take a different angle on it i think because like in the 90s and in 2000s when this started to to get created out of thin air. I think a big part of this was a lot of these guys on forums, they were getting paid to push testosterone. So what they would do is they would tell guys, oh, you need two times as much testosterone. Oh, you're running 500 milligrams of EQ. You need to run 1,000 milligrams of, of testosterone. You're running 300 milligrams of, of DECA. You need 600 milligrams of testosterone. Not 500 milligrams, not 550, but you need 600 right on the money. It's got to be two to one exactly. But I think part of it is they're trying to sell you more testosterone because testosterone, very, very cheap for sources very big margins on testosterone. It's a very cheap steroid to produce. I think um, someone once told me, we had a guest on the podcast who used to be a source and he said it costs like five bucks per vial and they can sell it for like $50, $60 a vial. So you're talking like a 10, 15 X markup. So of course they're going to want to push, you know, uh, to run that much testosterone. That's kind of, that's kind of a, there's a monetary interest in doing that. But I think also a theory behind it is some of these guys back in the day who used to come on the forums and they used to dominate the forums, they basically did this themselves and they had a really, really good cycle and they really got good results, right? So then they started to parrot that as, as like fact. They're like, well, you know, I did two to one testosterone, so... That works good for me, or I did two to one masteron. I mean, do do twice as much masteron as as the other steroid in your cycle, and you'll get harder, you know. So it worked, you know. So it's one of those things where hey, it's worked. Not two point five ratio to one, not one point five ratio to one, but it's got to be two to one ratio. So you'll hear that sometimes on forums. Guys will be like, "You got to run this steroid to two to one ratio, or else," you know. So. But look, there's no science behind it. It's just a classic example of it worked for them. Therefore, they think it's supposed to be factual for everyone. So, Mobster, why don't you tell us your angle on this one? I mean, I think there's two sides to this, Steve. Uh, you kind of touched on one, which is this idea. Okay, so something occurred to me the other day when we did one of these podcasts, and this is what I, I love about our approved sources, okay? On... And I'm not going to name them because who knows when this podcast is coming out. Coming but years from now, you guys will be listening to it. But we've got two very good approved sources right now that are our main supporters of the site. And neither one of them pushes product properly. And what, what do I mean by that? I mean, if they wanted to, they could come on and name something they make a lot of money on. 
and say, oh, this is the thing that everybody's using right now, and this is what you should use, and this is how much you should use, and so on. And they don't do that. They, they don't encourage you to cruise. They don't encourage you to be on constantly. And so what does that say to me? It says to me that they're good sources, approved sources, with sensible look at the way that people should be using PEDs. Because if they wanted to make a lot of money right now, they could do all the stuff I've just talked about. But what they should be doing and what they do do, in our case, Steve, is they realize that if they give you proper advice as sensible and as professional and as uh, uh, looked at and researched information advice, then they will keep you long term, which means instead of you doing crazy amounts, not doing very well on it, spending two or three thousand dollars, you're going to come back to them again and again and again because the material's good, because the information was good, because the information was spot on, and because you made progress. So, back in the day, as Steve says, it was sometimes kind of obvious that someone was pushing a product. Uh, in the way that Steve says, because they wanted to make a buck. Simple as that. And you would have uh, one person telling you one thing and then someone that wanted you to buy stuff, doing it more. And in fact, in fact, Steve, it's worse with your gym buddy slash dealer than it is, I think, online now. Because online now, we can look this stuff up. We can say, hang on, you're, re you're re repeating something you read in the 80s. You're repeating something you and your buddies have talked about in the 90s. But in fact... The medical research this. In fact, I've got online and I said that every single person that gained 10 pounds was doing this. And so we can look that stuff up. Now, the worst example of this, I think, Steve, was when, and it's kind of a joke uh, when we say these things, but it was always the 15-year-old skinny guy in his mum's basement typing away like he's an expert. And you get the memes on Facebook and on Instagram or wherever else, and it's like some really big fat guy or some really skinny guy it's some you know it's kind of some not very pretty girl and they're giving you this advice and you don't know that they're 15 and all of like 140 pounds dripping wet or whatever uh, and they sound like an expert and that's the thing you and i can go on we can go to any kind of random forum we can find an article that we know was written 30 40 years ago and we can read it out and we can copy and paste it and we can look like we're experts but in reality copying at something or not even understanding what you're reading and then saying this thing makes you look like an expert. So the reality of the situation is either the, back in the day people were pushing it or they wanted to sound like they, they knew what they were talking about and they'd read someone else who was rated or had lots of pals, friends online, got a lot of you know thumbs up or whatever else. And in reality, the science, the information, the data didn't back it up. I've told you before about buddies that used to coach used to advise, and at least they had the argument that they spoke, they had 500 clients or 1,000 clients, and this worked for 800 or 900 of my 1,000 clients. You could at least use that argument, but you can't do that now because we've all got access to that kind of information. So it might be true for a percentage of you, but it's probably not true for the majority of you. And just saying it is true doesn't make it true. You, and again, Steve and I talked about this. We say Look up what we said. Go away and research what we say. If we give you a dosage, there's nearly always something to support that dosage. If we talk about ratios, there's nearly always something to support that. And it's, sometimes we'll say, this is my opinion, this is my experience. But we do that just so you know that we're talking about what we think versus what we know, what we've looked up, what we've researched. Articles we've written, researched. We put down the references at the bottom. Saying it 
doesn't make it so, Steve. Back to you. Next one we're going to talk about is you should never stack to Oral. So, Monster, you're on a roll. I'll let you start off with this one. Well, it's obviously Cobbless. <laughs> the reality is that we're, here's the thing, and I understand why people think like this. I really do. The risk factor is what people are talking about. We understand that because of orals, nearly all be needed to be methylated, which means they're protected in a way chemically that allows them to first pass through the liver so that you can have this uh, steroid get into your system. And, and, and I'm not going to get even get into what first pass means or whatever, but quite simply, the reality is that they're chemically treated in a way that can make them harsh on your organs to be absorbed. And that's de done deliberately so they're not broken down in the gut or the bloodstream. And, then, and, and it doesn't, it goes where it's supposed to go. It's as simple as that. Right. So then the, then the argument becomes thus. Well, then you can't do two orals because that's even more dangerous. And not really, it's no more dangerous. And, and not only that, I'm not just because if I, if I, for example, and I never have done, Steve, but if I, for example, decided I was going to run 100 milligrams of Dynabol a day, would I then run the same amount of Anadrol? No, I would not. I would probably use the fact that both these steroids have different effects on my body, and I would run a smaller amount of each. I wouldn't necessarily go to the highest possible dose of each oral steroid. It doesn't make any sense on that basis alone. Look, this is quite simple for me, guys. I've said this a few times, and I've certainly said this on the forums. When I take a steroid, I look at what my target, what my aim is. Do I want to get strong? What drugs are going to help me get strong? Strong. Do I want to get lean? What are the best cutting? Now, of course, nutrition plays a part of this. Do I want to add muscle? What's the best muscle building steroid? And again, what's the best muscle building steroid for me? What's the proper dosage? And guys, I will research this every single time. I don't rely on my old man memory, so I double check every single time. So is there an argument to support that you can't run two laws? No, none whatsoever. What you'll have someone say is that they would prefer not to, that they consider the risk quite a high. Uh, but again, I would argue about dose dependency. It doesn't allow for the fact that that person's talking about maybe you're doing a four-week or six-week or eight-week cycle. What they want from the gym is not what I want from the gym. A good example of this, and I, I'm a great admirer of his work, is Dylan Gamilly and I will disagree on the orals. But Dylan doesn't want from the gym what I want from the gym. It's as simple as that. And what his risk factor is for other things. He's probably got way more risk, risky behavior than something else than I have. Uh, I know, for example, that Dylan is a lovely fellow again. He smokes cannabis. I do not. And that's nothing to do with whether uh, as a risk factor or not. I just don't. That's just a habit I don't have. So anyone I would disagree on certain things. Other things we would agree on all the time, every single day. Now, quite simply, Dylan is not a fan of orals. And if he says, if you're going to use your orals, sensibly, he advises you for short periods of time, four weeks. Whereas I've argued, with, I said, I've used orals multiple times and run them for eight weeks, occasionally longer, but I'm not a fan of running it too long. So... On that basis, so I never say as short as possible, but I'm still doubling up on what Dylan talks about. So, again, it is quite simply not supported by the scientific evidence. Guys, again, here's, a, here's an easy analogy for this. What were they designed for medically? How, how much, what's the dosage medically? How long have you given that dose medically? And I've got to tell you guys, some of the medications that we use, oral steroids we use, are given for a lot longer than four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks in a medical situation. So it comes down to blood tests. It comes down to, in this example, Steve, 
checking for signs that the oral is causing you problems, whether that's anemia, whether that's uh, jaundice or whatever else. So again, there are, someone like myself can run an eight-week cycle of single oral steroid, zero problems, never, ever, ever, not till date, not in the 20-something years that I've been using steroids, ever. But someone else, pre-existing issues, problem. So you look at all of those things. So two orals, I can't see any reason why you couldn't. Is it the ideal situation, arguably? No. But equally, there's no actual science or evidence to support the idea that you can't. It's, it's, it's silly. So therefore, it's bro science. That's not to say that I'm about to start running two orals, Steve. I get fired perfectly well and get great results from running one. So I don't need to run two. But the fact that to say that you can't is rubbish. Back to you. There is a, a couple obvious uh, oral steroids. Uh, Winstrol, it, you can inject Winstrol. And then there's Dianable too. A lot of uh, steroid sources now provide injectable Dianable. And so if you say you can't run two orals now, does that mean I can use injectable D-Bowl with another oral? Can I use injectable Winstrol with another oral? Because then in that case, I'm doing one injection and one oral. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter if you inject it or if you take the oral, you're still going to have the liver issue. So, you know what I'm saying? So that that kind of makes that theory like out, out of bounds. But it's kind of this is one that's kind of there is some truth to it. Because as Mobster mentioned, the medical situation, they ran it longer than four weeks, longer than eight weeks. But keep in mind, those medical journals, the patients were running them at a much lower dose. Now, our PD, PED dosing is much higher, five, ten times what they run. So there is going to be more of a liver impact. But it's important to keep in mind, as I said, some of these orals also come in injectable form, but also injectable steroids, anything from testosterone to trend to equipoise to primo, any of these do stress your liver, and most certainly stress your kidneys. So that's that kind of ties into the bro science where people think that injectable steroids don't strain your organs, and they do. So you're you're more than welcome to run blood work when you're running just injectables and look at where your AST and ALT go because I guarantee you they will rise quite a bit. So you're not safe doing two injectables or one injectable, one oral. You're still going to have a lot of side effects. So the two so, – and, and, and I could argue if you run two orals together properly, you could have less side effects than running two injectables because those orals have shorter esters, for one, and your reproductive system won't take so much of a beating because you can kind of be more flexible. You can run it for six weeks, come off, recover quicker – Versus injectable where you have to run it a long time in, in if it has a long ester. So that actually leads into our next topic. You need to run EQ minimum 12 weeks. So this one was a big, big, big bro science. If you go back 20 years, 25 years on forums, this was the big one. Like if someone came on the forum monster and said, I'm going to be running equipoise um, and I'm doing a 10 week cycle of equipoise, then people would like jump down their throat and start attacking them. Even if you said 12 weeks, they would attack you. They'd be like, no, equipoise, you've got to run it for minimum 16 weeks. So this bro science is derived from two, two things that I, I suspect. Number one, 
Equipoise has a really long ester. It does. So people think, well, it's not going to start peaking for about six weeks. So you need to run it for a long period of time so you can take advantage of that peak. But in reality, even in the first six weeks, you're going to have a lot of results. So to me, it makes more sense just to cut it off at 10 or 12 weeks max because you're not going to shut yourself down for a long period of time. The second thing I think it's derived from is, again, people who have experience with these steroids, maybe they ran it once and they ran it for 10 weeks. They didn't get much results because they're expecting to blow up 20 pounds. Maybe they only gain like five or six pounds. So then to them, that's like, well, I didn't gain anything. I ran it for 10 or 12 weeks. I didn't really gain much because equipoise isn't a steroid that's going to blow you up. You know, if you ran 500 milligrams of testosterone, no AI, and then ran 500 milligrams of equipoise, no AI, you will blow up more weight on the, on the testosterone. I think we all agree to that. So I think that's part of it. And they're like, well, you've got to run in a really long time because if you only run it for 10 or 12 weeks, you're only going to gain six pounds versus gaining 12 pounds. Because I, I ran testosterone for 10 or 12 weeks and I gained 12 pounds. Therefore, testosterone is more powerful than equipoise. Therefore, you have to run equipoise longer. So I think that's where that bro science comes from. But look, at the end of the day, what does it matter? I mean, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So yes, if you run equipoise longer, in theory, you will make more gains. I mean, you're on steroids longer. That's common sense. But I mean, why does it have to be all on one cycle? Why can't you run 10 or 12 week equipoise, come off, PCT, take a break, and then run another equipoise cycle later on? Why does it all have to be a, a body transformation on one cycle? Equipoise is a slow, lean gainer. It's not something that's going to blow you up fast like other steroids. So I think people just misunderstand what's behind equipoise, and that's why they say that. So, Mobster, I'll let you uh, hit this one for, for a bit. I wonder why... Two, two things that occurred to me, Steve. Why specifically EQ and nothing else? Why, why, why is it EQ had that particular uh, piece of bro science behind it? Because you could make the same argument for any steroid, never mind EQ. It makes weird kind of sort of, why why did it get just EQ get, get picked? Why not anything else? But the other thing that occurs to me, Steve, and it's to do with homeostasis that you and I have talked about in the past. And indeed, you can apply this kind of same sort of analogy not just to PEDs, Steve, but a lot of other things that we do in life, right? And it's to do with making changes. So homeostasis for me is the, the body that you have today, the body, the body how it wants to be right now and how difficult it is to get your body to change, whether it's adding muscle or losing weight. So, for example, we know in the first couple of weeks of diet, people lose loads of water, and then after that, it gets a lot harder to keep chiseling away at the body fat and get you down to being ripped. And then the difficulty at the end of that diet, so to speak, would be staying ripped, staying dry, staying lit. The same thing applies to adding muscle. So whether it's in the gym we're talking about and adding muscle, getting lean, whatever, or whether it's just habits. So there's an argument to be made. I believe this sort of analogy or rule, if you like, used to be that it took 90 days, right, about 12 weeks, to elicit a change that was permanent. So I can, I can see what's happened it's those two rules, if you like, have come together and become EQ needs to be run for 12 weeks. But there's a kind of argument to be made going, for you to have permanent changes that 
90 day 12 week rule applies here but why specifically eq it doesn't make any sense i don't think it make whether it's wind stroll or eq or test or whatever it should be the same the same rule applies to all of those things if it's about making a change that sticks a permanent change of your habits a new whether you're going to be educated whether you're doing a new job all of those kind of how long does it take you to train up for the new job how long does it take you to, to knuckle down and and study a course at university or college how long before you start to develop a proper understanding of it's, it's every single one's roughly 90 days it's that's how long it seems to take everybody to elicit a permanent change but again why specifically eq why not anything else so the pro science has kind of got eq got picked out kind of like randomly out of a hat steve and they said wait well, it's eq then but it, if you think about it guys our listeners it could be it could apply to anything like that. And that makes it a, a joke. That makes it that makes it a bro science because it's why specifically just EQ and why nothing else. So if you think about it like that, you think about it logically, it makes no sense. And therefore it has to be bro science. Back to you, Steve. All right. So next thing we're gonna talk about is running a test space prevents shutdown on cycle. So this is one that used to be a big, big thing, I think 15, 10, 15 years ago, especially. But it's still going today. You still read this on forums. Today. I've read it today, Steve. Yeah. This morning. This morning. So I don't think people understand that testosterone itself is one of the most suppressive anabolic steroids out there. So what that means is when you run it, you will shut yourself down. Why do you think people who are on TRT have to be on TRT for life? If testosterone didn't cause shutdown people could just do trt for five years then come off and they would be fine they wouldn't crash their hormones or anything but you when you use testosterone it signals your pituitary glands to stop producing hormones that by definition is suppression and that by definition will shut you down so don't think oh yeah i think but this this theory comes from people who think that if they run a steroid cycle without testosterone, it's going to shut them down. But if they run a steroid cycle with testosterone, it won't shut them down. But that's not the way it works. Any exogenous hormone you put in your body will shut you down. That's just how it works. Our bodies are too smart. So our bodies will realize there's too much hormones And it's got no reason for the pituitary glands to function. So they'll go dormant while you're on the hormone. Now, the only anabolic steroid out there that I've seen from blood work where this doesn't hold true in all cases is Proviron. But Proviron is more of a drug. So here's the thing with Proviron. If you just run Proviron by itself, it's not going to do anything for you, really. It might harden you up a little bit. It might increase vascularity just a little bit. It might increase your libido a little bit. That's what's going to do. But it's not something where you can run Proviron for 10 weeks and build muscle like other anabolic steroids. So m- what I'm trying to get at is you can't trick your body. You can't run a cycle and use testosterone as your base and not shut yourself down. It's it's not possible. Same thing with ACG. We're going to discuss this on our next evil podcast about PCTing and, and using ACG and stuff. But people think if they use ACG on cycle, it will prevent shutdown, and it does not either. 
What ACG does is it mimics LH in the body, which aids kind of like it kind of tricks your your testes into functioning a little bit when you're on cycle. But it's not doing anything to get your pituitary glands functioning the way they should be. In fact, it's signaling your pituitary glands to not function. So if anything, ACG actually shuts you down more <laughs> if that's even possible. But yes, it will technically shut yourself down more. So there's a lot of bullshit bro science out there for guys that have their theories on what you can do on cycle to not be shut down. If such a thing existed, then TRT doctors all around the world would have all their patients doing it. And we'd have no reason to worry about going on TRT. We could do TRT for a year, come off. We could do TRT for 10 years and come off and not be suppressed. And there would be rainbows everywhere and birds would be chirping. It would be a beautiful thing, but it doesn't work like that. You got guys going on TRT and you're going to be on TRT for life. There's no, there's no turning back. So this is complete bro science and it still goes on. I would say a very high percentage of people mobster believe in this bro science. And it, it really um, is annoying to me. It's up there for me, Steve, with using a test booster on cycle. I understand. And I can think of a particular product where, Sometimes using a test booster on cycle makes sense only as far that there are elements of the test booster products that allow for you to have testicular bloat, you know, your balls don't shrink too much, that you'll feel better using it. But in terms of the actual production of the testosterone, testosterone it's not going to happen. So it's the same kind of sort of science there. It doesn't make any sense to me. You are, look, guys, you could argue, and again, Steve talks about this multiple times, blood tests well out. So you could say, oh, there's less suppression or more suppression. In other words, there's still fucking suppression. It's just a question of degrees. So to say that it prevents shutdown, which means prevents suppression, doesn't happen. It makes no sense at all. And again, those dependent, the affinity of that person's receptors, all those kind of things come into play. And so it's always going to be how much suppression. I always look at it as like, you know, doors open, doors shut, Steve. That's it. It's real simple. It says mucking around. Uh, and again, blood tests will out and, and tell you the truth of what's going on. But it, you can't say that the door's half open or half shut. It is your, are your bollocks, are your testicles, is your endocrine system, is your pituitary gland, is, are any of these things working as they should be? And the short and simple answer is no. How much? How much of a percentage? Well, then, you know, just line up 100 people, we're going to get slightly different answers. But what we're not going to get is no one with zero suppression. We're not going to get one single person. It didn't suppress. It did. It's simple as that. Everybody got suppression. Now, how much are they naturally producing? It depends. If you're on a high level of uh, outside hormones, I'm going to say you're producing next to nothing, if, if at all. And certainly nothing will be useful to you in a performance-enhancing way. So, again, it makes no sense whatsoever. The idea that you can use a form of outside taken, injected testosterone, and then put it into your body, and it will stop your body. Actually, your body will carry on producing. I'll be more accurate. will carry on producing its own testosterone. It makes no sense, Dave. It doesn't. It's just... Uh, it's... It's hard to imagine why people, and again, as I said earlier on when Steve was uh, 
letting us know what the score was. I've seen it this morning. People are richly replying without thinking. They, they, they. Oh, that's what I should say. So that's why I'm saying it. And you go, hang on. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? Listen, guys, you can get suppressed. Your testosterone levels can go down when you're stressed. They can go down when your diet's poor. They can go down when you're getting, you're not getting any food. You're starving. They can get, they can go down when, when your wife or your girlfriend or your partner's giving you headaches every single day by nagging you. They can go down when the boss at work stresses you. If they can do that in an outside situation, just a kind of stress, not nothing to do with hormones, actually taking uh, outside testosterone and injecting it or orally swallowing it into your body is going to have an effect. I can't see how it would not have an effect. It makes no sense to say, oh, I'm taking this outside. I'm running other steroids, but I'm also running a test base. And because I'm running the test base, I'm not going to have suppression. Makes no sense whatsoever, Steve. How, how do people even still think that they can post this and it's true? Again, like Steve says, if you can argue about it from now to doomsday, and if they believe it, fine, but prove it. Go and get the blood test. See, Steve talks about ask the right questions. Make sure that the results, the, the, the test is specifically for what you're asking for and show me the proof. And I can't see that there's ever going to be a time. Like I said, you can get it from get it from being hungry and tired and grumpy and not sleeping properly. You can have suppression. Certainly your testosterone levels will be lower than they should be because you're not healthy, because you're stressed. And that's just from that. That's not with any hormone coming in from the outside. That's, you can get it from, you can have testosterone suppression just from being medically treated for certain medical conditions because the hormones they're giving you, which are not testosterone, are having an effect on your endocrine system. Cancer drugs is right up there, Steve. You're not going to be producing loads and lots of testosterone when you're, when, when you're on lots of cancer drugs, for example, guys. So that's just something else. And it's not even testosterone. It's something else entirely. So the logic doesn't hold up whatsoever. Back to you. Yeah, and back then... You know, they didn't have access to blood work. So, again, it goes back to you have one asshole bully on the forum who would have his theory, his crackpot theory. And because other people weren't able to disprove it, it became, you know, gospel. But now with blood work, anyone can get blood work. I can go to today and get blood work and prove this bro science instantly wrong. So next one to mobster, which ties into it. Um, it I. Yeah, go ahead, Mobster. You wanted to chime in? One more thing, and Steve touched on it earlier on. If a person's trying to sell you something, maybe that's also what's coming into play here, Steve. Yeah, back to you on the next one. Yeah, yeah, that is that is definitely true on that one. Uh, the last one ties into that one. I feel bad on cycle. That means I'm shut down and vice versa. The same thing can be applied in PCT. Um, so here's, here's the thing. Um, this is a really, really, really dangerous bro science that has been um uh, bantered uh, about uh for a while and we see this i'm going to use the pct example first uh, we see guys on social media push hcg and pct and they're like well hcg makes you feel good clomid and novadex doesn't make you feel good therefore you should take the hcg it makes you feel good and it's going to help you recover but here's the thing the hcg as i said in the last segment it will actually keep you suppressed and keep you shut down so by running ACG and PCT, even though you feel better, it's like running testosterone and PCT. It's basically just delaying recovery. So you will not start recovering until you come off all hormones, including ACG. So yes, some of you may feel like crap on Clomid and Novadex, 
But actually, it has nothing to do with if you're recovering or not. Because when you're on Clovid and Novodex and PCT, you will be in recovery. Your body can recover while using Clomid or Novodex, but your body cannot recover while using ACG. So this is a dangerous one that we see, guys. We also see guys who talk about on cycle, I feel like crap on cycle. I have no energy. I have no libido. Therefore, I am shut down. Well, yeah, you are shut down, but that's not why you feel you have fatigue and you have low, no libido. There can be a lot of different factors causing that. When your hormones change, it can cause libido changes. Fatigue, most of the reasons for fatigue on cycle are because you're gaining too much too fast and your body's under a lot of stress. So, of course, you're going to feel like shit. Also, your organs are under a lot of stress, so you're going to feel like shit. When your kidneys and your liver are under are on stress and your heart's under stress and your blood pressure's up and you have insomnia and you can't sleep good at night, of course, you're not going to have energy. But that has nothing to do with being shut down. When you're on exogenous hormones, as we said in the last segment, you will be shut down. Okay? Whether you feel good or not on cycle, whole nother argument on that one. So we can't mix those two up. Same thing in PCT. In PCT... You can feel like shit on P in PCT, which isn't what we want to happen. And a lot of times it's because people run too much Clomid and too much Novodex and they don't run the natural test boosters. I always tell people low dose Clomid, low, low dose Novodex and high test booster. And you'll feel a lot better than running a high amount of Clomid and feeling like crap. But it has no bearing on if you're recovering or not in PCT on how you feel or if you're shut down or not. So if you run blood work and you're like, wow, my LH is bouncing, but I still feel like crap, that can happen. That can happen. It's not important how you feel. It's are you yeah. recovering? But it's important how you feel because if you don't feel like working out and you're depressed, it's going to make your workout suffer. So yes, you want to fix why you feel like shit, but it has nothing to do with are my pituitary glands functioning or not? You can feel great in PCT by running tons of HCG, but your pituitary glands are still going to be shut down and suppressed and you're not recovering. So don't fall into that trap of saying, yeah, I feel great in PCT. I'm recovered. No, you're probably not recovered yet. And also too, before I let you in mobster to finish up, how many times do we see guys run a shallow PCT because they're running long ester hormones and the, and the esters are still in their system five, six weeks after their last injection and they feel great after four weeks and they're like, yep, I'm recovered. I'm good to go. <laughs> no, the steroids are still in your system. That's why you feel good. So it has nothing to do with if you're shut down or not. You're actually shut down and you feel great. And then just wait a couple more weeks and see how you feel. Once those yeah. esters clear, then you'll crash hard. So mom said chime in on this a little bit and then uh, finish up the show. I think it was a great show. It's an easy one for me, guys. I, I, I train, a lot of my cycles have been specifically around competition. So I'm training with an aim to be as strong as I possibly can for the competition at the end of the cycle. Literally the last day, the last dose, whether that's injectable or oral, should be the day of or just the day before the competition. So I go in on the day of the competition and my peak levels of strength. Now, one of the things I do is I deliberately overtrain it twice a day instead of once a day. 
four times a week, whatever, uh, roughly two weeks out, Steve. And I do that for about 10 days. So I should feel like beating up dog shit really, really bad. Like I used to say, like an old man bent over four days out. And then I don't do any training at all and I have what's called super compensation. Now, if I'm taking how I feel, it's based on my training. And the same will apply in a lot of examples here, Steve. You are lifting more weights. You are holding more muscle. You're doing more reps, more volume. You are, you, you've added five or six pounds. You're eating more than you normally do. The results of that weight that you're lifting and the pounds that you're holding that you never had before, or even if you're trying to get rich, for example, the fact that you're lean or leaner, it's not necessarily in and of itself a thing being lean, being stronger, doing more work, that's going to make you feel good. The results, what you see in the mirror, what you see in your training log, they're going to make you happy. I'm lifting more weights, I'm happier. I'm nearer the target I need to be. I'm leaner than I was last week, I'm happier. I've added more muscle than I had last week, I'm happier. But the actual process of doing the fucking grind in the gym is hard. And therefore, especially when you're using this, you build up to a certain level then you started your cycle at the end of the cycle, which should be just about as hard as it's ever been. You should be into new territory. And while the, the, the fact that you're going to be made happy by your progress, the actual thing itself, the actual training, the actual diet, the actual cardio should be God awful. And so therefore you could argue quite easily, Steve, how you feel, i.e. tired, uh, constantly hungry, uh, constantly eating, isn't necessarily a good thing. In other words, you could quite easily argue that I feel like shit because I'm working my ass off here to get into shape, to add muscle, to be stronger. And therefore, the argument could be quite easily made how you feel. It's got nothing to do with your results. It's got nothing to do with the outside. Medically, Steve, we could make arguments for if you feel ill, then perhaps you should stop the cycle, you should go get a blood test, you should make sure you're not fucking up, make sure not you're doing, using too much and so on and so forth. But that's a different argument. The simple fact of the matter is that we're arguing here is how I feel on cycle is an indication of whether the cycle is working or not. No, your training log is, the mirror is, the tape is. You've added muscle, the tape's got bigger, the scale's got up a few notches, your belt's gone down a few notches, you've got more plates on the bar. Those are the indicators. Make sure you're not making yourself ill, guys, but that's an entirely different argument. How you feel, how you've been tired, it's kind of actually par for the course. I don't understand why guys don't get that. Of course you feel tired. You're doing more work than you did before. You're lifting more weights than you did before. You're meant to feel tired when it happens. It'd be great because every trust us, if it was the case that we all felt like Superman on steroids, every person in the world would be on steroids. We'd all be taking hormones from outside, every person, because we'd all feel amazing. We'd all feel like Superman, and we'd never have any side effects. And that doesn't make any sense either. A great podcast, Steve. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic. And podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.